Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I made the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. This is Steve Robbins. Welcome to the Get It Done Guys. Quick and dirty tips to work less and do more. I'm here today with Kate Davis and Anissa Purbasari, co-hosts of Secrets of the Most Productive People podcast, and also deputy editor and assistant editor of Fast Company. Welcome, Kate and Anissa. Thanks Thank for you. having us. So we're going to be talking today about changing careers. And Anissa, I understand you've had firsthand experience with this. What was your experience with changing careers? Yes, I did. So I originally started my career as a lawyer. Um, in case you can't tell from my accent, I'm originally from New Zealand. So um, in New Zealand, law was an undergraduate degree. So people ask me kind of like, oh, you know, you you spent all this time in law school just to quit. But I did a traditional kind of four-year degree. I started college, I think, in 2008. So there was a lot of kind of panic around whether or not everyone was going to get jobs after graduation. I didn't intend to practice law. I was thinking that maybe I will go into journalism, but I kind of just got sucked in because I had interned. Um, I did a summer internship in my second to last year, and then I ended up getting um, an offer and, you know, the fear. I guess when you're 20-something, you don't really kind of think about I don't know. I wasn't really thinking kind of long term and I was just like, I am just lucky to have this job. So I should just go for it. And long story short, two years in, I realized it wasn't something that I wanted to do. I had always wanted to go into journalism, but I had kind of the typical immigrant parents who said you could either be a lawyer and I think a banker, a doctor or an engineer, you know, the typical professional careers, but I was just really unhappy. It was to the point where it was really unsustainable. I was getting really stressed out and I was really dreading kind of going to work every day. And I knew that I was still young enough to start over if I had to. And if I wanted to kind of make a drastic change, you know, it was, it was a good time to do it. So I had spent kind of a year preparing for the change because I identified that I wanted to go into journalism and, you know, living in New Zealand, there was a lot of opportunities. It was always my dream to go to New York. So I kind of mapped out what the best way for me to get there would be, and that was to go to grad school. And so, yeah, like about a year before I quit, I kind of had planned out all the steps that I needed to take and then kind of just followed from there. Like I know that's a really just kind of – I know that seems like a simplistic answer, but that's essentially what happened. Wait, you just made a plan. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to change careers. You made a plan and you actually followed it and it worked. So um, as I was telling, um, as I always tell Kate, I actually used to spend a lot of time reading Fast Company when I was a lawyer in terms of, you know, how to change your career. So 
Um, I would say that I actually did follow a lot of the tips that, um, you know, we wrote about, which it's is an, kind of funny. It's an unintentional plug that, un- <laughs> that, that the secret to her success was reading fast <laughs> and that landed her a job. Ultimately, at fast yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think, I think what helped was that because I was going to grad school, there is literally a path set up for you that you have to do. Like you have to take G- the GRE, there are like deadlines you have to apply for. And then I knew that because I didn't have any journalism experience, I was going to somehow need to find a way to get journalism experience. And so it's kind of was, I mean, there were steps that I made up, like getting journalism experience wasn't, I, I, that was kind of a combination of knowing people who worked in media companies and, you know, getting freelance assignments and then just like leveraging that. But I think because the path was set up for me, it was easier for me to follow that. Like, I think if I was going through, I don't know, say I wanted to do something like start a business, which I know is a really changing career. But that's a lot of things that people are doing. That's less clear cut and something that I feel like is less structured. So I felt like I kind of had it lucky in terms of how I went about it and how I had to go about it. I mean, it sounds like a good first step is decide to go into a career that actually does have a defined career path. <laughs> so Yeah. I mean, although, <laughs> although she didn't really pick the most stable journalism, no. not the, the most stable uh, field to go into. But that's okay. We've learned about lots of, we, we've learned about lots of ways on how to, you know, like make our skills transferable. Yeah. That's true. Transferable skills. That sounds like something worth discussing. But uh, what were you about to say, Kate? Yeah. Well, I think uh, Anissa makes her story maybe sound simple and easy, but I'm sure it was anything but. I mean, she literally traveled across the world, um, completely changed careers, had to had to get into a, a very competitive you know, journalism program, um, and had to find a job in a very competitive field as well. But I think the, the steps that she took are definitely the types of steps that, you know, as she read in Fast Company, that, that career experts advise you take when you want to change your career. So first, she made a plan. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, journalism, that sounds nice. Maybe yeah, I'm just I'll going to move Maybe I'll move to, <laughs> maybe I'll move to America and like, make my way. Like in a romantic comedy, you know how it looks like so glamorous and easy. She made a very practical step. She figured out the practical ways to do it. You know, and then she followed through. But then also she she thought about like, okay, well, a degree is not going to be enough. I'm going to also need some clips. I'm going to also need some experience. How do I get that experience? She's like, who are the people that I need to know? And she started networking with those people, following those people on Twitter. So a lot of the things that she did to change her career are the same sorts of things that um, anybody changing a career could do. Or should do. And then I think the transferable skills thing is if you maybe want to change your career, you don't have any clue what you want to do is to look at like what sort of skills that you have that would apply to other fields. And I just want to say that I know that I tried, I made this seem like it was in a short amount of time, but that process probably took two or three years. Got it. So, yeah, I think that's the other thing when it's a big, like kind of, especially in the, you were, you know, in a career for a short amount of time and you kind of always knew it wasn't what you really wanted to yeah. do. But I think it gets even harder and more daunting if it's a career you've been in for a decade or two decades and you're really drastically changing your life. And of course, also, like you said, like you were young, the stakes were maybe not as high, you know, you could fail, like you had room to potentially fail that maybe you don't have when 
you're um, supporting our people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it sounds like several of the things you just mentioned are things you could be pursuing while you're still in your old career to build up. Because you mentioned now getting a degree, especially if it's a full-time degree, is not necessarily something you could do. But you talked about clips, which I assume that means samples of your work, experience, and people. Talk a little bit about, the, about those things. Yeah, and I think that's probably the, the safest and most comfortable way for people to change careers is to do it as we hear this term all the time now, side hustle, you know, is it, and it's also, it's like a good way to get your feet wet and and test it out. Like if you do want to become an entrepreneur, like doing that a little bit on the side, you know, starting your, you know, say you're making something, starting your Etsy business and realizing, oh, wait, I actually don't like this at all. And you never quit your job. You never really risk anything. You just tried it out a little bit. Or if you do want to completely change your career into another, you know, established field, yeah, meeting those people. Uh, yeah, clips is the is the journalism equivalent to doing some projects. But you know, if it's design, maybe starting trying out some design projects on your own, like those sorts of things. Yeah, and I just want to say, um, so there is kind of a term for this, and I I'm sure that our co-design colleagues might chastise me because I might not get this right, but. I remember reading a book that's talking about, you know, approaching a design thinking lens to your career and in terms of when you want to change, you know, when you're trying out those little things on the side, it's kind of like prototyping. So you're not just going in with, with you know, this blind, you're not just going in blindly and not knowing whether or not you like it, but there are lots of ways now I feel like to do things without having to leave your job and commit to it fully. In my instance, um, you know, I was moving countries and I was going to a new network. So I wouldn't necessarily advise people to get a degree unless it's necessary. Like I think my case was a little bit unique. So definitely I feel like the side hustle was the way to go. Yeah. And there are maybe cheaper ways to get those the, the, the skills that you lack. There's a lot of like online courses and, and things that are not, you know, a full on master's degree. Yeah, sure. Now, how about you mentioned people? It seems like on one hand, I think, oh, sure, you can just network your way to people who are in your new career. But there's a degree to which if you if you are showing up saying, well, I'm still full time employed as something else. I'm not in the new career yet. Are these people going to take you seriously? Like, how do you approach them so that they both understand that you haven't really fully made the switch yet, but that that interacting with them is going to be, you know, potentially a key piece of you being able to do that and have the credibility to do that? Well, in my case, I kind of approach people that I sort of already knew. So I did work, when I was working in law, we did work with a lot of kind of media and, um, you know, technology clients. And so through kind of those people, I kind of approached it more as learning more about the industry. And then, you know, before I kind of asked for help, quote unquote, um, I made sure to develop relationships first. Because you, you're right, you don't just want to go up to people and say, especially when you don't know them and ask for a favor, like that's going to be, that sounds really weird. So I think it's just, for me, I feel like seeing it as a learning experience um, and asking them, you know, about their knowledge rather than for a favor. I mean, it's like if someone came up to me and asked for, you know, to learn more about the journalism industry, I would more, be more receptive than if I got a cold email and being like, hey, I'm looking for a job in journalism. Can you go and help me? And you know, I don't know who they are, don't know where they come from. Yeah, it's kind of the traditional networking advice of, if, you know, when you meet somebody, you don't ask them for something. You, you try to build a relationship and you try mm-hmm. to bring something of value to them. 
Um, and so like the, the lowest, uh, lowest effort, easiest way to start doing that, especially, I mean, depending on, on your field and who's, what platforms they're on. But, you know, I've always found that following the people that I want to work with or that I'm interested in on Twitter and seeing what they're talking about and, and maybe, um, sharing the things that they're talking about and sharing my own things of value with them. That's a good way to like get the ball rolling. I think there's also a lot of professional groups. Like I'm in, um, groups of, uh, like niche groups of, uh, for instance, like women journalists. And that's a good place for people to maybe lurk a little bit, see what the conversation is, learn a little bit, and then maybe there'll be some postings that are useful to them or they can contribute something there. And you start to like more organically build relationships in a way that you would with like when you're building a friendship, you know, you don't go and say like, Hey, what can you give me? (laughs) Are there particular forums or platforms that you would recommend over others? I know that the tone, the tenor on Twitter is very different from the tenor on Facebook. The types of conversations that are discussed on Facebook are going to be different from the kinds of conversations that are discussed on LinkedIn. And I could also imagine spending 12 hours a day doing nothing except tweeting and Facebooking and LinkedIning where do I go? How do I decide which to do? Um, I think, well, for our profession in journalism, I think Twitter is important, but I know that that's not the case. I know that now, um, depending on what kind of career you want to get into, a lot of there's a lot of private Facebook groups you can join, and I have found that you know those are where really good conversations happen. I know that um, a lot of my friends who, for example, um, have started businesses have kind of niche you know, fake niche Facebook groups that they're a part of, whether it's, you know, a solopreneurs or um, the ones, you know, the digital nomads group in their particular city. And then they, that's how they kind of meet other people who are starting out. And so I, I feel like Facebook probably in terms of the community perspective, but I think I would use Twitter and LinkedIn more in terms of if you, if you have a targeted person that you want to talk to and you don't really have a connection to get to them, then Twitter and LinkedIn is where it's really helpful because, you know, that's where they kind of share maybe articles that they're reading or work that they're doing. And that's the potential for you to engage with them that way. Cool. So, so what we have here is while you're still in your old career, first of all, start looking around for people in your new career that you could approach. And we're doing that on Twitter and LinkedIn, following people, maybe looking for professional groups, uh, gathering whatever experience you can do on the side, going after potentially a degree, which you did full-time. Um, can you say a little bit more about the transferable skills part of the package? Because if someone doesn't know, if they've only ever been in one profession, they may not know which of their skills are transferable. So how do you decide, oh, this is transferable, this isn't, and so on? I think sometimes for, I don't, I don't want this to sound like a cop-out, but I think for a lot of people that is hard to identify, especially the longer you've been in a career. You know, I've known people who have been their careers for 15 plus years and it's the only thing they've ever done. And it's very hard for them to think like, how are the, the, the programs that I use or the skills that I have, how can they, they work somewhere else because I've never worked somewhere else or I haven't worked somewhere else in so long. So it, in those circumstances, or if you're having trouble figuring out what your transferable skills are, I do think um, recruiters and career counselors are good people to turn to because they're used to looking at a resume and teasing out those things. Like, so you work with InDesign. What exactly do you do with InDesign? What are the types of things you're interested in? And like teasing out like what other fields those things could be in. The other approach I think is maybe talking to people in other fields and 
and other jobs. If you have, if you really have no idea what you want to do, I think it's just like a matter of, well, what else is out there? What other careers and jobs and, and things are out there? And also what other things do you like to do that maybe aren't your job? Like, are you a in book publishing, but you are an avid photographer? Like maybe you should pursue that as a, you know, a passion side hustle project. And like, you could become a portrait photographer and, and work up those skills. And that might not seem like super obvious to you because it doesn't have much to do with like your actual on the job skills. Yeah. And I would just add that one of the things I did was I kind of wrote down sort of what I did day to day and, you know, talked to people who were in the media industries to see what they did day to day. And then I realized that a lot of the skills that I had learned as a lawyer was very similar because I was essentially dissecting very complicated information in a simple way. Um, it was just a different way to communicate it. But, you know, ultimately the kind of skill of interviewing, of researching, of being paying attention to detail, those were all very transferable. And it doesn't seem immediately, immediately obvious because on the one hand, I was editing and writing contracts and on the other hand, which are a lot less exciting than the kind of stuff that I'm writing about. Um, and just on the hobby part, I will say that one of the things that I really emphasize, and Kate might re- or might not remember this, my couple later was I talked about how I was really obsessed with productivity and self-help books. Um, and that well, had nothing to do with my job at all. But, you know, that's kind of, it's such a huge part of what I do. So I made sure to emphasize on that over maybe the less relevant skills. Yeah, and that, and I do remember that actually from, from interviewing Anissa. And it was something that, you know, as the person who, who hired her made a really strong impression stronger than somebody who maybe had more journalism experience, but didn't really care about the subject matter that we were going to be writing about. It's like, she has a legitimate passion for this. She will come up with interesting story ideas. She will pursue different angles, like having an, a legitimate passion in whatever the field is, is, is more valuable. I think than people give it credit for Got it. So part of the trick here is also knowing what that passion is. So if you're in a career that you don't like, but you don't necessarily know where you want to go, you don't know that what you want is journalism, it sounds like you need to embark upon some way of figuring that out as well. Um, I'm noticing time-wise that we have to leave. Uh, Is there any any last thing that you would want to tell people? We have a whole framework here about people experience, clips, degrees, transferable skills, education, any last thing that anyone listening should know if they're even thinking about a career change? Just one piece of advice. If you couldn't give them anything else, what would you tell them? I would say that I know this seems like a counterintuitive kind of advice, but, you know, definitely talk to people, but don't get fixated on doing exactly what they did. Because I think that in sort of this day and age when, you know, with social media and see, you know, everyone kind of broadcasting their every move, it's really easy to question whether or not you're doing the right thing. And sometimes it's hard to tell that yourself until you kind of have experienced what it is you're experiencing. You, sometimes you don't know if you like something or if things going to work out until you try it. So, you know, make, make sure that you use that more as a guidance rather than a kind of like strict framework, because there are things that you can sometimes, you know, everyone's circumstances are different and sometimes there are things you can't control. So I would just say that like only, take the advice so far as it applies to your personal circumstances. And I would say that everybody needs to, to think about these sorts of things, not, not just people who are unhappy in their career or maybe want to make a big change. Um, we, we wrote a few years ago about how you'll probably change, everybody will probably change careers or at least jobs three to five times in their lives. 
and you know we write a lot about the future of work and how um, you know automation is changing changing work. I think everybody in every field, even if they love their their job, would benefit from thinking about transferable skills and what else they can do and how and the evolution of their career and where else their career can take them because I guarantee that none of us will be doing in 20 years exactly what we are doing today. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you joining me. And where can people find the podcast? You can find it on fastcompany.com under audio or also wherever you get your podcasts. It's called Secrets of the Voice Productive People. Thank you again for joining me and work less, do more, and have a great life. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Save big-